Hi, everyone, and welcome to the State of State Schools podcast. I'm your host, John Stamper, Christian author, former homeschooler, and former public school teacher. Once a week, I'll give a quick recap of the most important headlines in education and pull back the curtain on what's really happening in our kids' schools. If you're a teacher, parent, or homeschool family, this podcast is for you. Thanks for listening, and let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 49. Everything in this episode comes from the week of November 20th, 2023. And I've been doing this podcast for almost a year, so I just want to quickly remind everyone, what's the point of this podcast? So at the beginning of the year, I published my book, Conflicted, Pulling Back the Curtain on Public Education. And I talked about my experiences as a teacher, as a homeschooler, Um, as a teacher both in public and private schools, and how I, over time, saw indoctrination being snuck in through the back door or behind the curtain into classrooms. And so really the point of my book is the same point of this podcast. It's really just to alarm, uh, sound an alarm for teachers, for parents, administrators, uh, anyone who cares about education, and then just provide information you know, so that you guys can make decisions, whether that be with your career or with, you know, how to best educate your own children. And I'm a Christian, so everything I'm talking about is coming from my perspective as a Christian. And if you want to know more about me, check out my book or just go back and listen to previous episodes. So let's get down to episode number 49. That's this one right here. Here's what I'll be talking about. A Gender and Sexualities Alliance Club, or a GSA club, raised money for chest binders despite parental objections. Then I'll be talking about affinity courses in public schools. And is language justice the new trend in school equity policies? Story number one, this is something for parents to be aware of. Over the last year, and even in my book, I've talked quite a bit about secret clubs or new clubs in schools that have been popping up in middle schools and high schools around the country. For example... Affinity clubs, diversity clubs, equity clubs, or gender and sexualities alliance clubs, GSAs. In one school, teachers renamed their GSA club and called it an art club so that parents wouldn't be suspicious about what's going on in this club and then parents couldn't shut it down. Then those club sponsors brought in their own guest speakers that pushed 12-year-olds into thinking they were born in the wrong bodies and that they were in fact transgender, etc. That's just one example. Now, generally speaking, these clubs are all about discussing race, sex, sexual preferences, gender ideology with children. They also promote gender confusion and they push the transgender craze onto kids. But what I'm talking about in this story is yet another way that these clubs can undermine parents and drive a wedge between parents and their children. So here it is. Last year in Southern Illinois, in the Waterloo Community Unit School District, there was a high school GSA club that met regularly. And as is the case with all high school and middle school clubs, staff members are club advisors or club sponsors, and they supervise the meetings. They set the agendas, etc. Well, all of the advisors for this particular GSA club held a regular meeting, and the topic of discussion was chest binders. Now, in case you don't know what a chest binder is, it's what girls would wear to flatten their chest so that they can appear more like a boy. So not only is this psychologically damaging, but it's physically damaging as well. 
So one member of this GSA club, a girl who said she was a boy, wanted to wear a chest binder, but her parents would not allow it. They were not on board with their little girl thinking she was a boy. They weren't okay with causing their daughter physical harm just to play along with her gender confusion. But members of the school's GSA club felt differently. Now, these clubs are all about encouraging and promoting the LGBTQ lifestyle. So members of this school's club intentionally undermined this girl's parents. And they collected money so that they could buy this girl a chest binder against her parents' wishes. Now, the parents had no idea that the school was allowing this to happen behind their backs. But the club sponsors knew about it. Adults in the school building knew this was happening, but the parents did not. And this is what I'm telling parents to be aware of. Not only have we seen these clubs renamed and kept a secret from parents, and we've seen how these clubs purposely don't keep rosters, and they purposely don't take attendance. Now, why don't they keep rosters or take attendance? Well, they do that so they can claim ignorance, also known as lying, if the parents ever ask about their child's involvement in that club. But now, on top of all that, parents have to watch out for these clubs going so far as to financially support gender transitions, quote-unquote, for their children, even against the wishes of the parents. But did the kids in this club come up with this plan on their own? Well, in an email that was obtained through through the Freedom of Information Act, FOIA, it's something everyone should know about, Freedom of Information Act, an email was discovered that the club's advisor emailed a journalist a list of ways that the community could help kids in their club. Now, according to this club, one way that the community could help their students was to raise money for the kids who wanted chest binders. That's coming from this club. It's coming from a club sponsor, someone in the building. Raise money for these kids who want chest binders, but whose parents won't allow it. They can't ask their parents because their parents are homophobic or their parents are transphobic. Not because their parents have common sense or love their children or want to tell their children the truth. No, this school club says that parents are homophobic and transphobic. That's why it's okay that we go behind their back, right? This is the mindset. So this was a documented request from a school club advisor. That's an adult in the building saying, give money to these kids, support their gender confusion, and harm their physical, emotional, and mental well-being. Also, completely go against the parents and completely undermine their authority. All right, that's the message here. So this school club has taken a stance that is against the word of God. And the word of God states that God created us, created us male and female. That's it. Two. Furthermore, the Bible states that parents are to raise their children up, not the government. So these types of clubs that are pushing radical ideologies on kids and are undermining parents, these clubs are not values neutral. They are not neutral on religious beliefs. They're very much in favor of their belief system, which is an anti-God, anti-Bible, and anti-Christianity belief system. So this is the type of stuff I refer to as, you know, behind the curtain or sneaking in through the back door. This is the stuff that parents are rarely, if ever, involved in. Now, parents will likely never see what's happening in these clubs, but you need to know about it. And the only reason this story was discovered 
is because someone submitted a public records request under the Freedom of Information Act. So those are two things you all need to know about. Public records request, I've talked about these before, and the Freedom of Information Act. And that's something anyone can do and should do. This is also why I advocate for homeschooling. Because in this case, once parents find out what's been going on, it might be too late. The damage may already be done to your child and to your family. So if you're interested in the Freedom of Information Act or submitting a public records request, just click the link in this episode page, uh, foia.gov, and look into it. Story number two, a high school in Evanston, Illinois, which is north of Chicago where Northwestern University is, has been offering racially segregated, quote-unquote, affinity courses for black and Hispanic students. No white students allowed. These, quote-unquote, affinity courses are optional. Students can sign up and take these classes during the school day, and they must be taught by non-white teachers. So no white students allowed and no white teachers allowed. Paid for with your tax dollars. This is really happening, and it's been happening for a few years now. I've talked about affinity clubs before, like in this previous story, like after-school clubs, and for the most part, they're racist, and they discriminate based on skin color, plain and simple. They exclude white students because they've all adopted the atheist Marxist ideology of critical race theory, and affinity courses are no different than affinity clubs. So according to this high school, their black and Hispanic students simply do better when white students are not around. So think about the message this sends to children, no matter what their skin color is. If you're black or brown, you're victims of your white peers. And if you're white, you're the villain. You're guilty of demeaning and harming the progress of your black and brown peers. It's the classic Marxist oppressor versus oppressed mentality where it pays to be the victim. Not only does this turn students into enemies, but what about the colleagues? What about the teachers in the building? Teachers can only teach courses as long as they have the pre-approved skin color. Qualifications, degrees, teaching experience, none of that matters, just your skin color. Skin color is the greatest qualification you can have, according to these affinity courses. Look up the definition of racism and tell me if these affinity groups qualify. Matter of fact, I'll do it for you. Here is the definition of racism. Quote, a belief that race is a fundamental determinant of human traits and capacities and that racial differences produce an inherent superiority of a particular race. So race determines your traits and race determines what you're capable of. That's the definition of racism. Skin color makes you superior or inferior. That's the definition of racism. That's wrong. That's bad. We should not do that. But that's exactly what this high school is saying in any school for that matter who offers these affinity courses or affinity clubs. They're saying that the white race is inherently superior and that's why the black and brown students are not doing well in school. They're saying that their black and brown students lack the capacity to do as well as the white students. That's racist. I don't believe that's true. They believe that's true. That's not my opinion. That's the definition of racism. Now think about the precedent this sets. Are we going to remove white people from society? 
so that others can simply do better? And why aren't other races involved in this? What about Asian students, for example? Where do they fit in? Now, as usual, these affinity courses or affinity clubs claim to be fighting racism. But in order to do that, they use extremely racist tactics, and they call it social justice. So what's the point of all this? Why am I even talking about it? Well, two reasons. First of all, if you have kids in public or private schools, or if you're a teacher or administrator, you should speak out against these things if they're in your school and get rid of them because they're divisive and they're harmful. Second, if you can, homeschool your kids. Get them out of these Marxist schools and teach them the word of God, which says that in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek. Now that's talking about race. Race doesn't matter. The issue of race has already been addressed, and the answer is for everyone to be found in Christ. And after that, teach your kids the classics, which focus on goodness, beauty, and virtue, as opposed to what public schools are teaching today, things like victimhood, blaming, and lowering standards. Story number three, the New American just released a great article on what could possibly become the new trend in America's government-run schools. So parents, teachers, administrators, this is something you'll want to be on the lookout for and be prepared to address. Now, we've all heard of social justice, right? But have you ever heard of language justice? Well, Denver Public Schools is one of the first school districts in the country to implement a policy on language justice. The idea is that forcing kids to learn English is racist and it's oppressive. Denver Public Schools, or DPS, has over 90,000 students and about a third of them are multilingual, with Spanish being the most common among that group. In fact, there are over 200 languages spoken across the district. So based on this train of thought, language justice, every classroom must have an unlimited amount of translators, both for the student and the teachers. Either that or everyone speaks hundreds of different languages and we fall into total chaos. Those are your options. Now, DPS recently drafted a new equity policy. And remember that equity means you can discriminate based on sex, race, religion, but it's just state sanctioned. It's taxpayer funded discrimination, so it's okay. That's how equity is achieved in today's society. So this new policy says, quote, DPS will be a district that is free of oppressive systems and structures rooted in racism, and one which centers students and team members with a focus on racial and educational equity, enabling students to ultimately become conscientious global citizens and collaborative leaders, end quote. So all kinds of buzzwords in there, right? And they all sound great, right? Quote, free of oppressive systems and structures rooted in racism. Well, who doesn't want that? Because English is oppressive, and English is racist, apparently. Then we have focus on racial and educational equity. Well, that's a good thing too, right? All races should be equal. And everyone should have equal opportunities, as long as it's not the English speakers. And finally, this school policy says that their goal is for their students to ultimately become conscientious global citizens and collaborative leaders. Not American citizens, not productive members of society, but global citizens. And collaborative leaders, that's just another way of saying part of the collective, which is communism. And that's really what the end goal is here. 
Now, I've heard this global society, global citizen stuff throughout my entire 13-year teaching career, even into college, probably beyond that. I think most people just assume that because of technology today, the internet, international travel, worldwide business, et cetera, that global citizen, quote unquote, it just makes sense. But as this article points out, what eventually happens is that we devolve into what happened at the Tower of Babel, where God confused the language of the people and their plans to build the tower crumbled. So the lesson there is that if you want to communicate effectively, if you want to succeed at something, then having a common language is key. Like, say, English, for example. But on the other hand, if you want to fail at communicating, or you want to fail at anything, really, then confuse the language. And I think that is exactly what this language justice policy will end up being. Total confusion and total chaos. Now, most people, especially public school leaders, will say that diversity is our strength. But remember what one of our great American mottos says, e pluribus unum, which means from many, one. So diversity is only a strength if we become one. It's not e pluribus pluribus, from many, many. My point here is that if there are no shared values, no shared beliefs, then diversity is a problem. We're left with war, chaos, communism, all the above. And that's when the few elite can force their beliefs on the masses. Well, that's all I have for you in this episode. That's the current state of state schools. Take care.